Hello everyone, welcome back to Christian's Colloquy. I'm so glad that you could join me again this week. As you've probably been aware, I've been away for a little bit of a, of a time here, but as many of you will know, and if you don't know, I am in a PhD program and things have picked up in terms of my reading list and now preparing for my comprehensive exam, so I apologize for the inconsistency. I will be sporadic this upcoming semester, but I promise you, as I am able to responsibly, I will be uploading new content to this channel just to keep things moving. Another note is, I have been away for a while, but if you're interested, I have had a few blog posts published through TGC Canada. Those links are in the description down below. Check that out. So while I do take a pause from this channel, I'm still out there creating content and still putting out church history related things. So if you like what my channel is about, if you're interested in the content here, check out those links down below. I'm sure you'll find them interesting. Anyway, today we're talking about another figure from evangelical church history. This time we're digging into the late 18th, early 19th century. And that figure that we're looking at today and introducing and then discussing in uh, one of his sermons is Charles Simeon. If you're familiar with the world of contemporary evangelical preaching, you're probably familiar with Charles Simeon. The Charles Simeon Trust, the Simeon Trust is one of those big parachurch ministries out there these days, and they put on very helpful workshops for preachers or those who love preaching just to get them more familiar with their craft and the field. So if you know of the Simeon Trust or if you're someone who appreciates great preaching, today we're talking about Charles Simeon, the figure who so many evangelical preachers look to today as one of our great examples, one of our great forebearers, and someone we can learn a lot from. So with that introduction aside, let's dive in. We have two things to cover this episode. First, I'll introduce you very briefly to some of the key points of Simeon's life. I'll encourage you, pick up one of his biographies. I'll leave a couple in the description down below. Then, very briefly, we'll discuss one of his sermons, and that sermon will be on the ascension of Jesus Christ. So anyway, let's talk about who is Charles Simeon. Simeon was born in 1759 in Reading, England, and he was born to a clerical family. So on both his mother's side and his father's side, he had priests in the Church of England, bishops in the Church of England, very much a strong religious pedigree in his background. In 1766, Simeon went on to study at Eton College, one of those great uh, colleges in Britain, and Awali was at school there as a child. He was known for his religious rigor, so he was known as the religious kid, but he was also bullied for his appearance, so a bit of a difficult time. In 1779, Simeon went on to study at King's College, and that's a part, one of the colleges at Cambridge, the University of Cambridge, so one of the premier schools in England. It was there, while at King's College, he experienced what many of us, especially evangelicals, would consider true conversion. He was born again shortly after arriving at King's in Cambridge. So, Simeon's conversion, it's a fascinating story. Again, pick up one of those biographies to hear the full thing. But essentially, shortly after arriving at the school, Simeon, along with the rest of the school, were called to take part in a school service. And at the service, they were expected to participate in the Eucharist, so to receive the Lord's Supper. It was during this time, however, that Simeon really struggled with his assurance of faith, where he knew the significance of communion, of the Eucharist. He was raised in a Christian home, but then he began to wonder about his own worthiness to take communion. Did it truly... Is it something he could truly and responsibly take as a Christian? That prompted a lot of study. He read some books that were critical and formative, but shortly after that, he was genuinely converted. 
However, after his conversion, and I think this is very interesting, in his early years as a Christian, Simeon struggled with drunkenness. So, that is to say, even after true, genuine, evangelical conversion, what we would recognize as the new birth, he still struggled in his battle with sin. And a sin as what we would consider public and visible as drunkenness. I'll leave you to reflect on that and perhaps be encouraged or perhaps be convicted by that. Simeon, after his evangelical conversion, was still initially part of the high church wing of the Church of England. And again, he had a religious background, family, he was known as the religious kid at school, and he was very much based on his high church, Church of England upbringing. However, shortly after, through the ministry of one Christopher Atkinson of St. Edward's Church, Simeon was plugged into the evangelical Anglican world. And through Atkinson, his ministry, he was introduced to the Vens. We've looked at one of the Vens on the channel here. And that is to say he fell into line with the Clapham sect. The Clapham sect being that elite evangelical ring of uh, ministers, philanthropists, politicians who represented evangelical spirituality to the English public from within the Church of England. It's from there, Simeon, now part of this Clapham sect group, along with the Vens, he would be self-described as an evangelical, but also a moderate Calvinist, to give you an understanding of his theological leanings within the Church of England. So now, Simeon's preaching, his ministry, what he's known for, very briefly, again, pick up one of those biographies. Simeon would become a preacher at the Holy Trinity Church in Cambridge. Initially, Simeon, despite his fame later on and certainly today, he was not initially all that popular. And that was because his evangelical messages were quite different from the ethical sermons that were popular at the time. So people in the late 18th century, early 19th century, they were used to a particular kind of preaching. And Simeon, with his evangelical preaching in the tradition of Wesley and Whitfield and all those other great evangelicals, they weren't initially popular, certainly not in the academic world of Cambridge. But over time, Simeon, who was a gifted preacher, and I would say, along with many others, gifted by God for preaching, he would grow in popularity and prestige, and he would become recognized wisely as one of the most powerful and effective preachers in the British Isles at the time. Simeon, based primarily on this preaching ministry, but as an evangelical churchman and public figure at large, he would become a leading evangelical voice in Britain and the British Empire. He would especially, especially be formative among evangelical societies. So to list a few examples, the Church Missionary Society, the Religious Tract Society, and the London Jews Society would all have Simeon at their heart at the center doing incredible, amazing work. And so much of this work was in the realms of missions, Christian education, and other similar evangelical efforts to increase the theological awareness of British citizens, but also their moral standing, their corporate holiness. He was passionate about raising people up from oppression and injustice and bringing to bear the gospel of Christ in both political and social situations. Anyway, that's Simeon's life, just a brief sketch about his early upbringing, his conversion, and then his ministry. I encourage you to get one of those biographies. But now, we want to turn to one of his great sermons, his sermon on the ascension of Jesus Christ. And I'm just going to summarize a bit of it so you can see where Simeon approaches preaching from, how he sort of structured his preaching, and just be genuinely edified by what he has to say about the ascension. So anyway, to dive in, let me read you the passage from Luke upon which Simeon bases his exposition and his preaching upon the ascension of Jesus Christ. 
Luke 24, 50-53, and I'll be reading in the King James Version, which is what Simeon would have been using. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. After stating the passage in his sermon, I'll leave a link again to the dis- uh, I'll leave a link in the description to the sermon. Please check it out. Simeon first outlines the premise of the text and of his sermon. Let me read you a couple of quotes from his introduction. Amidst the various proofs given by our Lord to his disciples respecting his messiahship, there was one of preeminent authority, namely the ascending up to heaven in their immediate presence. So first of all, what do we learn from the ascension? Well, this ascension, which the disciples saw, was a foundational proof that Jesus Christ was who he said he is. He was truly the Messiah. And as you can see, he was true and trustworthy and that he was ascending to heaven to be with his father. And he did that. He showed them that right in their presence. The disciples could see this glorious ascension. And that would, again, be further proof of who Christ is, what he says, and what he promises. Let's look at another quote. Hence, our blessed Lord, having accomplished all that was necessary to be done on earth, led them out to Mount Olivet and went up from the midst of them to heaven, giving them ocular demonstration that his removal from them was such as he taught them to expect. Jesus told them that he would depart from them, and look, he did exactly that. But I want you to notice a key word at the start of that quote, a key phrase, a key idea, was that Jesus had done everything necessary. Jesus only ascended to heaven after he accomplished all that he set out to do. And now, as he promised, he went up to heaven. And this is where Simeon parks most of his sermon. He talks about Jesus accomplishing everything that he needed to do, and then later on, what we are supposed to do with that. So first, let's take a look at what this necessary aspect of Jesus' ascension is. What did Jesus set out to do, and what is he doing now? Let's continue on. So, Simeon highlights two things for us to notice. Uh, Let me quote a little bit here. What was his object in coming into the world? Simeon's answer, and I'm summarizing, to bless his people. Essentially, Simeon goes on to outline, Jesus did all that he came to do. He did everything necessary because Jesus came as redemption for humanity. And he reconciled us, his people, with God by his sacrifice on the cross. Now that his work was finished to accomplish this redemption and reconciliation, Jesus, as our great high priest, he was then empowered to bless his people with all spiritual and eternal blessings. And turning back to our text, we see that right there in the text. Jesus led them out as far as to Bethany, and then there, his last act on earth until his return, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. So, Jesus came to bring about redemption and reconciliation, and now that he accomplished that, it was all said and done, he was free to bless his people. And what a blessing it was. Simeon's second point, second thing for us to notice. What should be his occupation when he was departed from it? So he finished his task. What's he doing now? Simeon's answer, and I'm summarizing, is to further bless his people. Jesus went up to heaven, and Simeon has all these great points. I'm just highlighting a few here. 
He went to heaven as a forerunner. He went to heaven to prepare a place for his people, to make intercession for them, and to manage the universe for their sake. So essentially, Simeon looks at this passage about this ascension and sees it as a bridge. Before the ascension, Jesus was here to bless his people while on earth. Through his life and his death, through that sacrifice, he was here to bring about redemption and reconciliation. Ultimately, to bless his people. So, then he ascends to heaven. What's he doing post-ascension? Continuing on that ministry of blessing. Now, from the right hand of the Father, he is our forerunner in heaven. We could be assured of our place in heaven because he's there. He's our forerunner. And he's preparing a place for us. More than that, he is interceding for us. Jesus is there pleading our case before the Father perfectly. And more than that, Jesus as King is governing the universe on our behalf. Everything that happens in this world, Jesus is in control of, and he's in control of it as our great high priest. The ascension is the bridge between blessings on earth and blessings in heaven, between redemption and eternity. The ascension is not an ending point, but it is a bridge from Christ on earth to Christ in heaven, and it is an assurance of so much more to come. So now, with that said, Simeon turns to, after talking about the ascension being at the heart, the middle point, but the heart of Christ's blessing for his people, Simeon talks how we should react to that, how we should respond to that. Let's continue on. So, first thing we need to talk about is what was the disciples' reaction back then? So, as you can expect, when Jesus told the disciples that he would have to leave them, that he would have to go away from them, they were at first filled with sorrow. But now, and looking at Simeon's words, but now that he was gone, they were filled with joy. So, take that in. The disciples, when they heard that Jesus had to go, they were sad. Imagine your master, your Lord, your Savior, who is literally walking among you and blessing you in real time. When he says he has to go, of course they would be sad. What a heartbreaking thing. But the surprising thing here, the thing to note is, when he actually gone, you think that sadness would be magnified. Oh, he's finally gone. The heartbrokenness would be multiplied manifold times. It would just be unbearable. They were actually filled with joy. Again, look at our text. Look at the end of our passage here. After Jesus was carried up into heaven, the disciples, they worship him. And they return to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. So, when Jesus left, they weren't broken by their sorrow. Their sorrow didn't increase. Rather, their sorrow was replaced by joy. And here's Simeon's point, and let me quote him. Now the effect which was produced in them by the sight of his ascension ought equally to be wrought in us by the recollection of it. So, Simeon is saying, if the disciples were rejoicing at their master who walked among them, leaving them, so much more should we, at the thought of the ascension, at the recollection of it, at the reading of it, so should we be filled with joy. Why? Why were the disciples filled with joy? Why should we be filled with joy? Remember, the ascension is at the heart of Christ's blessings for his people. It's the bridge between what he accomplished on earth and what he's doing now in heaven on our behalf. So, in light of that, Simeon, for the rest of his sermon, calls on us today, 
the people he's preaching to then and us reading his sermon today to do the following things. Let me summarize. Simeon says, I call upon you, therefore now, to adore him. So, we are called to adore Christ, our ascended Messiah. And how do we do this? By worshiping our incarnate God. We truly serve God our Father when we do this. So truly, you must adore Christ. Remember who he is. Remember his ascension. And know that when you worship Christ, you serve God our Father. The second thing Simeon calls on us to do is to rejoice in him. Essentially, we are called to have joy in who Christ is, what he has done, and what he is doing, us, doing for us now. Remember your benefits in Christ. Remember his ministry on earth, that redemption, that re- reconciliation. And remember his ministry in heaven, that sovereignty, that intercession, that preparation. Rejoice in Jesus Christ and bring that to your struggles and hardships today. A third thing, consecrate ourselves to him. Unlike the apostles, the reality is we have civil and social duties. We can't spend our entire days and lives dropping everything we have and just preaching the gospel and just discipling people. The reality is that is not feasible. But the call is to still consecrate ourselves to Jesus, our ascended master. How do we do this? We must give Christ everything as it relates to the affections of our soul. So primarily, that means everything you do, put Jesus at the center. All your work, all your school, all your projects, make the glory of Christ, the excellency of Christ, the name of Christ, make that the end goal. But in addition to that, make sure to spend time in public and personal worship. How do you consecrate yourself to Christ our ascended Lord? Go to church on a Sunday. Spend time every day worshiping him, reading his word, praying to him. That is how we consecrate ourselves to our ascended Messiah, Jesus Christ. The final point, the final call. Simeon calls on us to wait for the accomplishment of all his promises. Just as Jesus went up into heaven, he will return back down from heaven. The call is for you, for me, for everyone hearing this, for every believer Eagerly await that promise fulfilled and witness all other fulfilled promises in the meantime. Jesus has promised so much. He promised the disciples so much and he accomplished it. He promises us so much and he is accomplishing it. And he has promised us he will return. So look at all that Christ has done. Look at all the promises kept. Look at the ascension and be assured he will keep those last and final promises. Christ will return. He will bring justice. He will bring comfort. He will bring peace. Look to that promise and eagerly await it. Just as Christ went up, he will come back down. And in the meantime, look and see all other promises fulfilled. Look and see how every day you are provided for. Every day you are comforted. Every day Christ's kingdom grows day by day. Know that Christ is a living and true Messiah. Know that our God is living and true. Know that the Holy Spirit is active and powerful. That the triune God fights for us, is faithful to us, and has defined our relationship by steadfast love, won by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So, look to the ascension. In Simeon's words and in that sermon, we see that the ascension of Jesus Christ is the bridge between blessings. It is the heart of Christ's ministry to us. So, Remember the ascension, that great moment in redemptive history, and take that to your work, to your school, and to your life at large, and of course your relationships. 
Anyway, that's who Charles Simeon is. That was his Sermon on the Ascension briefly summarized and applied in our modern context, but I hope you enjoyed. If you have any questions or comments or suggestions for the future, leave them in the comments down below. I would love to read them. I would love to continue on this conversation. But that's all I have for now. I bid you farewell and take care till the next time we're together again on Christian's Colloquy.